What is up, everybody? This is Gate 7 International, and we are back on this. Well, for us here, it is a gross Sunday. Rainy, disgusting, kind of warm, though. Gosta, I don't know how it is up there in Greece, but it's bad down here. Oh, it's quite cold right now in Greece, but nothing like uh, like your average northern European country, nothing like London. And I've, I've never been to Scandinavia. Kostas Levoyanis was there recently. Um, my, and he told me about uh, some temperatures around minus five degrees Celsius. And I'd like to take this opportunity to wish him a very speedy recovery because he did pick up a wee bit of a cold up there. That he did. So we wish for him to get better fast and he can join us here on the show in good health and good spirits. Uh, before we get to chatting about the monumental nonsense that has happened this past week in Greek sports, not just Greek football, uh, if you guys are following, don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe if you don't already. Every interaction helps boost us in the algorithm. Things have been growing across platforms all over social media. So give us a follow there if you don't already. Instagram and Facebook, funny enough, has been starting to take off for us too. So uh, check us out on socials if you don't already. We do a lot of fun stuff. Today we did some movie posters of Alibiakos. Alibiakos, if it was a Pixar movie, Alibiakos is a horror movie. And uh, my personal favorite was the action movie. Uh, I had a fun, I had, that was pretty fun. The tagline it gave me too was fun as well. Anyway, uh, we do a lot of fun stuff like that as well. You can support us on Patreon and see even more goofy things that we do. A lot of fun conversations that happen behind the scenes. We share a lot of stuff there that we cannot share, of course, sometimes on social media or publicly, but you can get that information if you join the Patreon group. Uh, you can start for just a dollar a month, and that gets you access to the Patreon channel. Uh, you can even do some of our player ratings. So player ratings are coming back, and our patron members are going to be able to do those. So check that out. You also get some extra episodes. We have some fun interviews lined up, and it'll be a really, really good time if you do. So check us out. Give us a support. We are always trying to upgrade what we do, upgrade the offerings that we have for you guys. Now... Without further ado, everyone, it has been all sorts of chaos that has gone on this past week, starting from the Volos Libyakos match last Sunday. We did a, a post match about that. Following what occurred in that match, the, the referees announced they were going to go on strike this weekend, and they did. There's no matches this weekend. They got support from various teams, various teams uh, supported them at all even made a show of support for the referees that when they went on strike this week. And funny enough, as that was happening, Volos had a cup game against Balk. Volos had a goal called back during that cup match. All hell broke loose, even to the point where Volos, through their owner, Achilles Beos, who's the, Beos, who's the uh, mayor also of Volos, filed a lawsuit against the referees. Uh, accusing them of manipulating the match, fixing the match for betting reasons. And they, oh, and this lawsuit, by the way, Costa, has been added to the greater Interpol match fixing investigation, which is going on. So you have the ref striking because the refs claim that they're being threatened, which they were. That was also passed up to UEFA, that the head of refereeing as well who urged that they may take action against Greece. We'll see what happens with that. This then happens. It gets added to the Interpol investigation while they're on strike, claiming they're being treated unfairly, which we will all say nobody should be threatening a referee in his family's life. That goes without question. It's, it is disgusting, and it's unacceptable behavior. But as that's going on, they are then being accused of uh, corruption on all fronts. And then there was an issue with uh, not a football match, but with a volleyball match. There was some police, uh, a standoff with police, we'll say. And the issue started from, I guess, outside of the stadium while the match was going on. A, a few hundred meters away from Redi, there were people that were getting into it with the police. They critically injured a, a police officer. Then a greater police presence came, came down the Redi. And they were firing off uh, uh, tear gas. It got into the stadium. They had to abandon the the volleyball match. Then uh, 
800 people were being held at Redi. There was a standoff with police. It was just a mess. And then that has led to some various things that have, have come up. But Costa, the, the volleyball match, do you have do you have some specific information about the volleyball match that happened with the with the with the uh, the police and everybody that was there on site? There on social media, I saw there were even some some fans that followed us that were there when it happened. It was it's an absolutely crazy series of events that I only got a chance to really read about. But what was the word uh, as somebody who's in Greece? What were you hearing all over all over the news there? Well, I mean uh, another. Another day in Sorokostana, basically, when you hear those things happening in a, a cross Greek sport. Uh, let's take it. Let's start with the um, with the referee strike uh, issue. Obviously, this whole thing started after that Volos game between Volos and Olympiakos, when uh, the Olympiakos fans, the visiting Olympiakos, some of the visiting Olympiakos fans reportedly tried to invade the pitch after the second goal was called back for offside. Uh, there was a standoff with the uh, riot police over there, the MAT, MAT police. Uh, one of them threw a, um, a missile back to the fans, uh, which a tear gas basically, which caused the uh, players and fans and pretty much everyone at Pantesaliko to not to being unable to breathe. The match was almost called off. They came back just for a couple of minutes. Thankfully for Olympiacos, the match ended or else Olympiacos would have been looking at more points deduction. And thankfully no one got hurt, which is the most important thing right here after the match the lead referee the chief referee Tasos Papapetru received sickening threats uh it was towards him they were directed to him they were directed to his child his wife and his father uh, uh Epo have been uh, have obviously been informed same goes for UEFA and FIFA he even received a phone call from the European uh, authorities regarding that incident like you said, Ari, I mean, obviously, you know, Papa Petrus refereeing, officiating at Volos was was disgraceful, but, you know, you, re, threatening referees, attacking them, putting their lives in danger, that is absolutely, absolutely out of the question. Absolutely unacceptable. I don't care if this is Greece. I don't care. I'm not going to name other countries because I, do, I really don't want to accidentally insult anyone, but this is not okay anywhere. I don't care which galaxy you live. That is absolutely unacceptable. There's also been um, an incident with another referee called Andreas Gamma, whose store was uh, was attacked. Uh, someone put on uh, some devices that led to explosions in Peristeri, and it was so devastating that his family had to climb up the roof uh, because they couldn't leave the. Uh, they, they lived upstairs and they couldn't leave the general area, so they had to go upstairs in the roof, waiting for the authorities to come in and help them out. So that led to the uh, postponement of game week 14. We still have, don't have official word as to when uh, this game week will be played. Olympiacos were supposed to play Pantseraikos at Ceres. That would have been a very crucial match. Uh, uh, and because of the, uh, well, I'm going to get to it, but uh, basically uh, it would have been an also a very good opportunity to see, you know, what the hell is up Car Carlos Carvalhal's sleeve because uh, the best idea we got right now and it is a great idea, actually, uh, is your amazing deep dive that you made on Carlos Carvalhal, and everyone should check. If you haven't done so already, please, guys, do, do go and check, and we will get to it soon. Now, when it comes to Redi, it was obviously a men's volleyball match between Olympiacos and Panathinaikos at the Melina Mercuri Gymnasium. And I think it was after the first set when all hell broke loose between yes. hooligans and the police. Uh, it, it got really physical, really ugly. One thing you need to know is that there are no cameras inside this gymnasium. Surprise, surprise, only outside the gymnasium. And one fan threw a missile towards one of the police uh, officers, hit him in the leg, and it was so bad the police officer fell into a coma. And right now he's intubated and in a sedated state. The police said he is in a stable but critical condition still. And an 18-year-old has been arrested after admitting to the attack. And right now, the police are confident they're very close to catching the, per the, the people that caused all this, that organized this. Uh, it is another incredibly ugly scene that is absolutely unacceptable and in no way can be condoned. Because of that, uh, there is a good chance that tomorrow afternoon, the Greek authorities are going to announce that from now on until an indefinite time, 
all sporting activities will be taking place behind closed doors. Batska Topola, who are scheduled to visit Olympiakos uh, on Thursday, Helsinki, who are scheduled to visit Tuba on Thursday, Maccabi Haifa, who are expected to visit uh, Leoforos Alexandras on Thursday, have been informed by UEFA that there is, a, there is a chance that the games will take place behind closed doors. Ike will be at uh, Amsterdam facing uh, Ajax. So this is the situation right now. Uh, we're going to find out tomorrow how far this is going to go. Uh, and from then on, uh, well, yeah, it's another day in Sorokostena. Uh, of course, this is going to affect Olympiakos, whose 12th player all the time is their own fans, especially at Karaiskaiki, especially when it comes to the big games, especially considering how the team is right now. They do need that extra boost. They showed it with Panathinaikos in the second half before that Juan Car incident when Olympiakos were flying. And this is the situation we're at right now. This is, uh, like I said, I'm not going to use the same term third time, but this is another day in Greece, I'm afraid. And earlier this year, uh, following the incident between the Dynamo Zagreb fans who were joined with Gate 13, uh, and they murdered the Ike fan, uh, the, the government the government of Greece actually made a statement that all ordered all of the fan clubs to dissolve. So technically, all of the organized fan clubs at that point were supposed to dissolve. None of them did. Most of them told the government to F off. They're still doing what they're doing. So the ban of the fans year long, I wonder if this is going to be something that the government does to say, hey, and we talked about this in the group chat, in the Patreon chat, you know, hey, there's no fans. You guys make sure that you're, that the fan clubs are closed that we'll see about opening the fans. You know, the, the, there was a lot of talk in the last couple of days in the news that there would be just a complete suspension of all leagues that didn't happen. They're going to do this behind closed doors. So I, I wonder if that's kind of going to be, could be the case because it seems like the government is just trying to put this on the clubs to get control of the fans in that respect which the clubs don't seem to have really any desire to actually do anything about it. Regardless, it is what it is. Right now, it seems like there will be no fans in any sport, sporting event for, for Greek sports from now till the end of the season, at least. And that's going to be a huge revenue. It's going to hurt revenues for the clubs because we've talked about this in the past. The, the tickets, the stadium tickets are huge, especially it doesn't matter for small clubs. I mean, the small clubs, obviously, it, it it's a bigger help for them, but even the big clubs, Olympiacos, you know, they need the money for from the gate receipts, from the tickets to to continue to buffet themselves. They don't survive alone on Europa League money and the sales of players. So it's 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 a really bad situation, but you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. We'll see if anything comes of it, and we'll see what happens in the long term. But this is going to be affect us, I think, more negatively. That's going to help us, unfortunately. Uh, but, just one quick, just one quick note. Sorry to interrupt you there, Ari. From Maris Galamatis. I mean, thank you, Ari, for uh, for your comment and your continued support. The 12th player helped Fazella to win. Well, the thing is that first of all, let's remind everyone that that Juan Car incident is absolutely unacceptable. And uh, but it's very important to remember that this missile, this firecracker, did not. It came from an area that does not include organized fans. Uh, gate seven for one, for example, are all, as you looked at this stadium, gate seven were on the left. The firecracker came from the far right. So, and it was only one person who did it, who's been arrested as well, and is going to be tried for this. So it's very important not to make those kind of generalizations because Olympiacos fans have helped Olympiacos become famous ac across the globe. And it is obvious that they have helped them not only win big derbies with their amazing atmosphere, but also win big European nights, big European games, where not a single thing was thrown in the general area of the pitch. And sorry, Ari, you were saying. No, that was it, uh, Costa. I didn't want to spend much more time on that than I had to, uh, because really the big thing that we're going to get into today is, of course, the new coach. What can we expect? Unfortunately, we didn't have a game this season to kind of get an idea maybe of what we're going to line up with, what we're going to see. We're not going to get any of that information, unfortunately. So uh, we're we're kind of stuck with the analysis that we've done. Gosta brought up, I did a little tactics analysis, kind of like a brief preview of what we could see based on what he's done recently. 
a lot of interesting context around around this coach. A coach that has made, I guess the word would be, a pretty significant evolution in how he does things compared to how he used to. A lot of people talked about the fact that he was in Greece for a while. He had some pretty bad stints in a lot of different places, hasn't spent a lot of time in different places. But I do encourage you to take a look at what he's done since leaving England, since leaving Swansea, since leaving Sheffield Wednesday, and see what he's done since then. Because after he left England, he actually did a very interesting interview about how he completely adjusted his coaching philosophy. And it's noticeable. He talked about the fact that he used to be very stagnant, rigid formation, stick to the formation, whatever it was he's done. We'll get into this 4-4-2, 3-4-3, so on and so forth. But he was very rigid to the formations and, and sticking to the shape and moving forward with the shape. And then he discussed since then, and if you look at his jobs that he's had in the past, uh, recently, the last couple of jobs that he's had, the focus is less on the formation, although it's still important, but it's more about spaces. It's more about getting the team to understand how to take advantage of spaces, not just staying in shape, although the shape defensively is very important. So he's a very, it's a very interesting coach. I know a lot of people were not excited. We, in the last week, I think we wrote like more statements slash letters as a show than we have in the entirety of, of doing things on the show. So we, you know, we had, we had, we're, we've been preaching patience to everybody. We know that this isn't the coach that everybody wanted. We know that. This this isn't somebody that everybody is excited to see, but Costa the the fact of the matter is we are not in a position to attract the best coaches anymore. We're just not. This is the reality of of Olympiacos. So it's the only thing that we can do is you know we. Judge the guy from what you see on the pitch. I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. But everybody that's getting super upset and they haven't seen us kick a ball yet, half of these people are the ones that kept saying, Martinez out, Martinez out, Martinez out. Well, what were you expecting when Martinez left? Did you think Did you think we were going to get Carlo Ancelotti? Did you think Did you think Valverde was coming back? Well, I don't, I, I don't know what the expectation was, but this is it. Nobody want, nobody wants to come to this situation. Eighteen months, six coaches. Nobody wants to come to that. There's no project. There's no person that wants to build a project that's going to go knowing that if he if he's mediocre for a month, he's going to get kicked out. It's just not happening. So, unfortunately, it is what it is. This is the situation. This is what we have. So, we're going to see what he's got. And you know what? The first game or two might be ugly. It takes more time, more time than one match for us to see what this guy can do. He's going to need some time. So give him till the break. He trains with his guys through the break. Then we can really see something following the break. All we Especially can do is that hope Batska that things game. go well. Especially exactly. that Batska game. Like, you know, this is going to be his first match. He was going it, to, it is a real shame that he didn't get that Panzeraikos match. Now it's going to be this final against Batska. That, you right. know, yes, Olympiacos just need to make sure not to lose. But even if they don't win, that's going to be considered a failure. But before we do, before we get on the comment section and say, oh, the club is destroyed. Oh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, 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 this is a disgrace. Marinakis out, etc. Carvalhal out after just one match. Let's, like you said, Ari, it's, I mean, this is, we're going to need to see a couple of games from this man. Uh, see what his philosophy is. Because right now he's going he's gonna to do what Corberan did in his first match. He's going to be putting... Um, He's going to be putting band-aids everywhere, basically. That's what he's going to do against Patska. That's what we're going to see. It's going to be a real cluster F. It's going to be it's going to be real ugly. And it, I basically predict that if Olympiacos win this game, it's going to, they're going to do it in a really ugly manner. Yeah. Look, we're going to see what happens. I, I'm not expecting a miracle here because there was an article, I believe it was from Todeca, talking about how we are really looking – for a center back because even in the first trainings of Carvajal, <laughs> there was nothing he could really do to stop what was going, the leaks at the center back position, the leaks in the defense. 
that that is not an opening article that I want to read. That look, this guy came in. He's somebody that is prided on a defense first philosophy, covering the defense, and even he's like, I don't know what. I can't really do much about this. That is not a good sign, at all. Well, you so, said you said he you, you you correctly brought up that at Swansea and um, and Sheffield Wednesday he used the four the five four one. And I'm yep. thinking, if he uses five four one at Olympiacos, where is he going to find three center backs? That's that's part of the problem, Costa. I mean, five four one was a very defensive setup. He the it was something I saw, like especially if he was going against the top tier side, he used. But I mean, mo it's it's recently it was all four four two, or if it was in a a match where he was playing a little bit more offensive, like at Braga, for example, three four three. So. It, the 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 situation is very is very interesting. I do have the tactic board set up here, so we can look at that if people have questions. But I'm not expecting a miracle, and I don't know where he's going to find three center backs. We don't even have three healthy center backs, starting center backs really. Biancon is like just you know he's played two what full two full matches with us, two matches since yeah. since returning from injury. You've got you've got Doy of course, and and then and then Brezos, but. Uh, Peroso still hurt. Rede is out slash gone, hurt both until Christmas. Yeah, and so uh, there, we don't have the depth to be doing this unless you're going to play Ibora at center back. and Derechos is uh suspended for the next match, and that's right. So, uh, even though even though I thought Biancon was better in, in the match against Volos, he looked way better at least than his first mm -hmm. match. You, we can't survive off of that, and then and then Europe on top of that, no way. So, I mean, it, it, the 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 one thing I will say is, and the one thing that we have going for us right now is, Carlos Carvajal is very, whatever formation he does, whatever whether it's the four four two, the three four three, whatever. The use of fullbacks is extremely heavy. He relies so much on dynamic offensive just albeit really good fullbacks to get forward that's the crux of 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 the formation the crux of what's being done we are so lucky that for the first time since 2019-2020 season we have two pretty solid fullbacks ortega on the left and rodine on the right so because this is really what what he builds off of this is what so much movement is done with so We'll see what happens, Costa. But at the if if we if we had come into this and he's coming in to coach us and we still had like Oleg and and um uh Kenny Lala, Lala. I'd be worried. I'd be really worried. <laughs> or I'd well, I'm already worried, but I would like to bring in a, a positive note from his time in England. It was not a failure, actually. Well, when it when he joined Sheffield Wednesday. He made it to in in his maiden season in 2016. He made it to the playoffs final against Hull and lost one nil at Wembley. And he actually became the first ever Portuguese manager to win the EFL's Manager of the Month. Uh, and then the next year with Sheffield Wednesday, he made the playoffs again, and he lost to Huddersfield in the semi-finals on penalties. And then at Swansea, which was like in the 2017-2018 season, if I remember correctly, or 20. Yeah, 2017-2018 season came in December 2017, and Swansea were a sinking ship at that time. Like I remember Mitsu, who used to be like people were saying, "Is he world class? Is he not world class?" Well, the the, the latter won that debate in a big way. Uh, he did beat Liverpool. He did beat Arsenal with a very with a very wrecked side, and he was nominated for Manager of the Month during his time at Swansea. He didn't keep, he managed to keep them up, granted, but like I said, it was a sinking ship. But like, it wasn't it wasn't a failure in England where the bar is so high and everybody would have a brain knows that unfortunately the second division in England is more competitive than the Greek uh, Super League. He wasn't at all bad. He wasn't great, but there was something there for him. So I don't think Olympiakos have signed a complete tool, a complete donkey. But like I, but like you said, Ari, like yeah, it's a great thing that he's got the fullbacks. Only two of them, actually, though. Uh, yeah. But when it comes to centre backs, they're simply not enough. Which comes to my, uh, I'm going to say this again, and we sound like a broken record. 
is it finally time to call up Bagallanis, who's 22 years old, from the B team? If he's 22 years old and not good enough for the first team, surely Olympiacos need to ax him right now. What are we waiting for? When is he going to get better when he's 32? Let him go. But we're not offloading him because he is good. He is, he's not bad, at least. So is it maybe time to call Bagallanis? Yorgo uh, Tsanakas, my good friend and colleague, did say that the only reason Alex Kalogeropoulos isn't with the first team this season is because he took too long to put pen to paper on the new deal with Olympiacos after his previous one ran out, granted. So that's why he's on loan at Volos and not with the first team. But it seems like, you know, maybe, you know, Kalogeropoulos is on his way to the first team next season. But until then, you know, Carvalhal needs centre-backs. Freire Boros are injured. Freire is crap anyway. Doi is not a centre-back. Might as well. Might as well. Until you at least sign a centre-back, which is supposed to be good. But who the hell is going to come mid-season at Olympiacos for free, for bargain price? Might as well. And and Costa, we're not going to be in a great position to really sign a lot of players. We're going to have to sell players. We're going to have to sell people in order to bring other other pieces in. That's just the reality of the situation. So in the absence of the money to buy the players that we want, in the absence of the ability to attract those players, you have two options. You either offer the players in the academy or players in the B team, a couple of them a chance to to rotate and be part of the depth option for the first team, or you give other players that maybe were on the fringe a second chance. And there are reports that players that maybe weren't being utilized by Diego Martinez are going to get a second chance. The big one, one that we wrote an article about was Solbakin. Ola Solbakin, who many people don't even believe technically got a real first chance. Um, is going to be somebody that gets another chance under Carvajal. Scarpa, maybe. Scarpa doesn't sound like he's going anywhere. I wish Costa Zilevojanis was here for this one. I wish he was here for Me this too. one. Costa, if you're it's, reading this, you got you got to address you got to address that. Gustavo Scarpa uh, getting a second chance under Carlos Carvajal. You have to comment or at least join us for one tiny comment about this one. And it cost us favorite skateboarder, baby. He's gonna who, who knows what'll happen. I um we'll see we'll see what happens. But um I you know, this is every time you have a new coach, they do usually like to see everybody. So players that maybe weren't doing well under a first coach, maybe they get a second win, they decide they want to show what they're all about, they do better. So maybe, maybe we get they get a second chance under him. We'll see what they do. We'll see, we'll see how he evaluates, see how his system fits them. It's going to be different than what Diego Martinez was trying to do because despite the fact that he does focus on the use of spaces, he does his teams do not have the same types of dynamic, um, dynamic movements that Diego Martinez brings to his teams. So uh <laughs> Scarpa is more of a cameraman for skateboarding than a footballer. Yes. So that's, I think we found Costas Levoyanis' burner right there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then we have Lakis Gavalas here. How many second chances is BL entitled? Actually, I didn't. I never really saw his name as one of the ones that was getting a second chance. And then there were the oh rumors. God, if, he take, if he take, if he if he if he finally gets his act together, though, if he might, if he finally gets straight, gets real. The things he would bring to this team, though, Ari. He is a good that's the, the worst part is that he is a really good player. Those those stats of Copenhagen are not a fluke. Those are those are for real. But it's just that this was the kind of player Libyaco should have built around when they brought him in. But then, like you said in the in the previous uh podcast, in came James Rodriguez. That we suddenly ended up with five number tens. Now we got four. And it's just not working. It's just the chemistry is not there. And you see it from his body language that he doesn't seem too keen to be at Olympiacos. But if he manages, if if Carvalhal, oh, too many ifs again, but he is a really good player. And I do feel like if he does leave, he's going he's gonna to do well wherever he goes if he does leave Olympiacos. Yeah. There were the rumors about Russia for him. Yeah. They're desperate. Maybe we get a lot of money. If we got six million for Oleg, I feel like we can get more for BL. Um, 
It's uh, here's an interesting comment from Lockie's Gavalas. Have you thought that BL's stats at Copenhagen were the fluke? No, mm, I I don't believe that. I believe the problem is what Costa Leboyanis had said in a previous episode. At Copenhagen, BL was the guy. That's that's what I said. They we had to build around him, right? And and I know Lakis Gavalas is a guy that does not like any system being built around anybody. So he that that's that's the problem. He was he he's not the guy here. Maybe if he was and and the and we were playing through him, maybe we'd see something better. But I don't know. I'm not holding my breath anymore. I think if he had something to offer us, he would have offered it by now. Who knows? I could be wrong. I'm always happy to be wrong, especially in a context like this. But I'm not. I'm not holding out hope that BL is going to do anything for us. Whether that's a reflection of 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 the player or the reflection of us, because maybe we can't. We don't know how to utilize them properly. And 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 that if that's the case, then we never should have bought the player to begin with. But you know, it it is what it is. We 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 haven't seen much out of him, unfortunately. Um, maybe, maybe Carvajal will fix that. I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not holding up hope. If we get a good fee from Russia for him, I'm all about the sell, 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 baby. Just like, what is it? Mad money? Sell, sell, sell. We get that. We get that Russian offer. I'm taking it. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, a player like Brinitz might get a second chance. If Olympiacos, my God, I cannot believe I'm saying if Olympiacos, qualify for the conference against a team like Batska Topol. I can't believe I'm actually saying that on air. And, I actually, and it's actually not a slip of the tongue right there. So, yeah, if it happens, well, I don't see why Brini should be omitted from the next uh, from the next list for the uh, second half of the season. But then again, like I read a, I read a, I read a headline at the Protathlipis where it was saying that Carvalhal was considering three or six January transfers. My God, like... Three or six, Jesus! We no one can can hope for something like that in January. For any of our new followers right here, I've said it so many times. The January transfer window is there for tweaks. It's not there to build a team. Like we can't expect Carvalhal to build a team in the, in January. He just needs to bring two, maximum three players, not minimum three players. Maximum three players. Definitely need a center back, maybe two, if Carvalhal wants to play five four one at Olympiacos. And from then on, I don't know, like Ari, number six, and that's it. Although, although uh, the Jovetic is injured, I don't know for how long. Uh, do it, do enlighten me if you do know for how long Jovetic will be out. And El Kabi is uh, is facing uh, an international call up for the Africa Cup of Nations with Morocco, so we are facing the chance of being without a centre forward if they continue ignoring Al Ba. So that's where someone like Pepiel comes in handy because he can. He kicked ass as a false nine at Copenhagen. Then you got Masuras and Fortunis, of course. But we are facing the prospect of being without a center forward from January until February. Maybe yeah, you're not wrong. March. You're you're not wrong. And we already knew, even before new coach was a conversation, we already knew we needed three to four players just to fill the gaps of what we were missing. Uh, we knew we needed a striker. We need a center forward because El Kabi will be missing. We also need like the, we don't have a proper profile for number nine. Jovetic isn't that. Neither is El Kabi. We need a we need a real profile, and we we talked about the loan situation as well. We have too many, and and we're going to end up losing pieces, and we're going to lose so many pieces that we don't really have a proper core anyway. Think about it. The, we have no midfield core. We have no. It's our core is basically like wing backs, a couple of tens, and a winger or two. You know what I mean? We don't have a real core on this team. All of our midfielders are going to be gone by the summer. Ibora gone. Madi out of contract gone. Alexandropoulos is a is a loan gone. Hezes the only Hezes the only midfielder that we know will be here. Unless we sell him, of course. But well, he could attract a really big bid. This kid, maybe, maybe not maybe, this summer. But... but do you think that um, do you think Yanem Villa could ever be convinced to come back at least until the end of the season? No, or he would be here. True. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't that think, would no, be... I think that ship sailed. <laughs> I think that ship sailed. It's a combination of wages because he, he was getting paid a lot of money. And I don't think, I mean, he's not playing for anybody now, but the money that he's expecting, I don't think the club is willing to offer. One. Two, I don't think um, the fan sentiment towards him, which I thought was completely unfair by the end of the season, um, also wasn't there. Um, and look, look what happened. He's gone and we lost a distributor. So it's... Uh, I, and the, the the ship sailed. I don't I don't see it happening. I don't think he would want to come back either way. But besides, like that's he's not the we're more mobile now in the midfield position. I think I think we need to just continue with that. We need you know, Madi's not going to be back, but we we need an eight and like a real six because his is not. As 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 much as I think Heze is very good at reading the game on the defensive side of things, he's not like the physical like bulldog six that people think of. You know what I mean? Like he's not he's not a Gattuso. He's not he's not uh, that that type of profile. So and he's not an eight. He's young. Maybe he could become one in the future, but he's not an eight either. It's really hard to find an eight. Madi, we will not be able to replace Madi, unfortunately. Um. Uh, this is actually a great comment by Mike Scob. Uh, oh, not Adi Spawn, sorry. Um, oh, I missed everybody. But Siopis, Siopis is uh, that's that's like a type of option that I think would do would would be very well for us. Um, and he did say at Arades that he is still he he has no ill fe ill feelings towards Olympiacos for the way he left. Right, and then um, how about we ask if Stoltidis if he's available. Guys. Stoltidis was fucking great. Was Stoltidis was fucking great. A, ce a, a central midfielder who was great at his position, and not only that, scored the big goals in derbies and Europe. Only right. one player, only one player was mistreated by Otore Hagen throughout his amazing Greece tenure, and that was Aki Stoltidis. No one else was mistreated by Otore Hagen. No one. Yeah. Um... Aris Galamatis, Aris Galamatis has a comment. Siopis, another player we shipped off because he was not good enough for us. That's actually not the case. Um, uh, he did an interview with Betarades, and actually he wasn't playing because he wouldn't sign a new contract. He wanted to go. So that was – it's not that he wasn't good enough for us. We weren't playing him as much at the time, but there was uh, – yeah. He, he, he was a different situation little different situation, unfortunately, there. Plus, but, plus at that time, we had Guilherme, we had Madika yes. Maran, we had Andres Buhalaikis, who, yeah, ha, 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 Buhalaikis, oh, my God, yeah, fraud, etc. You know, go cry on Twitter. That midfield trio played a huge part in a double winning season and us almost hitting the quarterfinals of the Europa League in the 2019-2020 season. It was when Guilherme left when things yeah. started to, uh, to unravel. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to need at least two midfielders by the summer, I should say. So because Madi, it doesn't seem like he's renewing. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't I don't think he's renewing. I don't think he wants to be mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And and if that's the case, I mean, somebody else had a comment. I think it was Adi's bond that like who wants to come and play in Greece, especially when we're not in like Europa League or we're, it may not even be in conference league, depending on what happens. And that's the thing. Who, who are you going to find to come play? Who who's going to want to come here, and that's which that's, is our answer to the Andre Silva questions on the comment section, guys. That's why we haven't mentioned them. That's the that's our answer for Andre Silva. Right. And and Andre Silva, guys, we you know we I think we we put we put the one rumor about um uh what was his, what's his name? Costa, the center back, the from Romania. Dava, Dava, Dava. That was or Dava it. or Dava. Yeah, Dava. I think we have put something out there, but even that one, that one doesn't seem like a, a real likely scenario. It's, um, yeah. I mean, you're, we're going to be stuck in the winter and we're going to be, get, my, my biggest fear is we're going to be getting some, some more like old mercenaries that nobody likes. I'd rather just promote from within. 
even, you know, unless they're notice, unless what we're bringing in is noticeably better than what we have, I'd rather start seeing us promote from within. Like, um, I know some people might agree, might disagree with me, but I'd rather start seeing Alga Simba. I'd rather, you know, him start seeing him. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather see, I'd rather see, um, you know, guys like, well, I mean, Costulas is probably too young, but I want to see him training with the team. 16, uh, yeah. I wouldn't mind Sapuzis. I wouldn't mind you brought up Bagallanis. I don't I wouldn't mind seeing Bagallanis. You know what you know what I mean? Like I'd rather us start seeing give us give these chances to the younger guys. Start bringing them in instead of we're going to pay overpay for people or maybe bring loans in for people that don't care. We talk about a lack of passion that we see on the field. You know what I mean? A lack of passion that we see on the field, lack of passion that we see just in general. The guys' heads go down when things start. You you need somebody that's excited that really wants to fight for the the jersey to to turn that around. And that's where that's where this youth helps. You people can feed off of that energy. But but there's no patience in Greece in in Greek yeah. football. Absolutely no patience. I was I gave an interview today about David Nielsen uh, taking over at Kipisia. And uh, basically, I said, well, you know, good luck to him. There's zero patience in Greek football. So if he doesn't start showing something real quick, he's not even going to last until the end of his contract, which is in June. But there's something I've been dying to say in this podcast, Adi. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, everyone knows that one of the reasons why Olympiacos are in this mess right now is because of the lack of organizations, of organization in the hierarchy, in the upper echelons. It's a great thing. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very careful with my words right now. And Ari, please just jump in and shut my mouth, shut my ass down. There's pro there was probably a good reason. It, it was probably a good idea to bring in Pedro Alves because we have heard um, everybody knows that Antonio Cordon, uh, the now former sporting director and soon to be general coordinator of Marinakis's group of clubs, Olympiacos, Nottingham Forest, Rio Ave, and probably Mon in the future he is dealing with some personal issues that have led him to spend a lot of time in spain and i know for a fact from some of my sources who have met cordon that this is true i don't want to say more but there are some issues so it is something that couldn't have been predicted when they were having conversations like i mean when uh, when i when i was interviewed at the sun they didn't ask me hey what, what are the what are the chances of you having any personal troubles in the near future hell should i know so yes i mean i see a lot of sense in bringing in pedro alves it's good that he will be working with uh cordon's right hand man jose ignacio navarro so that's one thing done correctly a technical director is absolutely important and not only that it's important that it was the technical director that chose uh, carlos carvalhal according to several sources the critics will say no that was a marinaki slash Agents like George Mendes thing. What I will say that Olympiacos really need in my book, now that Marinakis is an owner of three different clubs, well, almost an owner of three clubs and probably soon to be an owner of four. I mean, here's a man who has maritime business, very busy in football. He's also the Super League president. He's also a local counselor for Piraeus. This is a man with that has his fingers in way too many pies and a day only has 24 hours. So I feel like it's extremely important to get a president at Olympiacos, similar to what Agilos Filipidis was during Yoros Vardinoyanis' latter years uh, in charge of Panathinaikos. Yeah, boo Filipidis. Everybody hates Filipidis and for a good reason, but I'm saying have a president at Olympiacos. Get a president who's going to allow Me uh, Alves and Navarro dealing with all the football side of things and the president deals with all the day-to-day -day stuff he's the one that deals with epo he's the one that deals with the super league he's the one that deals with all the trash in greece which you're probably going to hate me for saying this guys olympiakos could never have a boy scout in this position if olympiakos had someone like me or aris in this position olympiakos would be screwed they need a junkyard dog in this position someone who knows the ins and outs and the crap of that that exists in greek football yes i want the i want greek football to be like the premier league but until that happens there's a very good chance that 
that Addis's grandchildren will be graduating from college by that time. So until then, I think it'd be a very good idea to have a president in this club that will help take a lot out of Marinakis' plate and deal with all the important Greek stuff here, only answering to Marinakis, working very closely with uh, Mendes, with, uh, with Alves and the Navarro. And, you know, that brings even more organization here at Olympiacos. And obviously you need somebody who loves Olympiacos and you take it from there. So that's my opinion. I think Olympiacos really desperately need a president. Yeah. And there's a comment here from Mike Scott. I see Carapapas as a president. No, no. Carapapas has a different role that is is also important for Olympiacos. Uh, So Carapapas should never have that uh, position. Neither Morales, who's the vice president, because he's also mayor of Piraeus. So for many reasons, no Morales. And in my opinion, Carapapas shouldn't have that position because he's needed where he is now. But yeah, get a president in. ASAP. Yeah. Uh, Costa. I mean, what what can we say, man? What can we say? No, don't you agree, though? Don't you think that Marinakis like has way too many things on his plate right now? No, I I don't disagree. Of- I, I don't disagree. I think I think like as an owner, he gets way more involved than he should. I mean, the way I always my philosophy when it comes to like sports teams and owners, you're the owner, you're the bank, and you're the big picture. That's it. You need somebody that's there to manage the team and do the the you know the football things or whatever you don't get involved if your goals haven't been realized in the timeline that you've set you fire the guy and you move on to the next that's it now um in 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 football uh, uh you know I, I i i i know we know people i should say i know people a lot of us know people that have dealt with the muddy nike shipping group and i can tell you that the style of business that he has it is effective and successful for the type of business in the industry that he is in, but it is not effective for football. Football is a lot, requires a lot more patience. And the, the, the thing with that is if you're going to, you know, in business, it's very easy. You cut something that doesn't run, you move on to the next thing. That's how you, that's how you remain profitable. You can, you can afford to move quickly like that. It's that it is what it is, but in football, it's different. You can't just cut managers and run and expect things to pick up and be successful, you know, like that. No, it takes time to build. There's so many great projects that didn't start off well that took time to build. You know, the one of the ones that we talked about a lot, Costa, was Corberon when we brought him in. He was at he was at Huddersfield for two years. The first year, you know, he was in what, like 20th or whatever, not relegation, but like close to it. But then the second year, they they lost to Nottingham Forest for promotion to the Prem. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it took time to build the it took time to build the system, and you have to have patience to do that. So there there's a series of questions by Adis Galamatis that I think is it's 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 part of the frustrations that a lot of people have. I mean, there's here there it's three comments, a bunch of questions, Costa. Um, you know, what can Carvajal show? What is the expectation? What's the statement of work? What are the team's goals? And is there an objective that ownership and management has? And these are these are literally all of the questions that we have never gotten an answer for, right? But we all know what the answers are. And it's probably not what you or I would have the answer. You know, the the the, the answer to these questions, what can Carvajal show? It doesn't matter as long as he wins. It doesn't, that's 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 it. What is the expectation? The expectation, you win. Don't nobody cares what disaster you were brought into, how far underwater the ship is. It doesn't matter. Statement of work, win. That's that's literally what Olympiakos is. What are the team's goals? Win the title. Same as la- same as every same season. Same as last uh, season. Doesn't matter. Win the title, try for the double and do everything you can for the best in Europe. That's that's exactly. That's and is there an objective that the ownership and management has? Yes, the objective is we're Olympiacos. We need to get back to winning. Probably that's it. You know, if if you think Olympiacos is the organization where we're we're going to have these more elaborate plans, oh, we we expect to be here. No, it's it, it's a pride thing. We are Olympiacos. We are expected to win. They expect it. And that there's no excuses. That's it. That there's no other acceptable outcome. I, would I know like it's to, not. I would like, 
Sorry, sorry, go ahead, Adi. Oh, no, I'm just saying it's no, I know it's not what you know Adi's likes, it's not what you and I want, but that's just the reality, unfortunately. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would just like to point out that Marinakis' style at, in football is no in no way a failure. I mean, the, the numbers speak on for themselves. I mean, the guy has won 10 titles in these 13 tenures at uh, Olympiacos. Uh, he's he's elevated the club in Europe much more than under the pre any previous administration. But but obviously we cannot ignore the fact that Olympiacos started to go down a certain downward spiral after Nottingham Forest were finally promoted to the Premier League, which goes back to my previous argument of the importance of having a president that only deals with Olympiacos, because even by even with the Nottingham Forest and Olympiacos having to deal with both of them at the same time, that was way too much on Vikelis Marinakis' plate. So, like I said, you got to get someone in to do what Marinakis was doing at Olympiacos for all those years that were successful so that he can concentrate on all of his clubs and all of his projects where, you know, let's face it, like the guy has been a success and let him continue being a success. But let's, I mean, you know, times change and because times change, you got to address certain things a little differently. You're right. And I also think we're in the ugly part of the transition into what, we had talked about, I think it was two shows ago now, the Marinakis football network. You know, he's got the third club. The fourth one might be on the way, uh, depending what happens with Monza. So the the growing pains of, all right, what is the strategy here? You know, then this is, this is from his view. What am I doing with these clubs? How are they going to work off off of this job, off of each other? How am I going to to get this to work? What's the strategy of alignment between the clubs? Are they all going to feed to Nottingham Forest? Are they all going to operate separately but uh, attempt to operate in a symbiotic fashion? Not likely. That's these are going to be growing pains that we're going to go through for the next couple of seasons, unfortunately. And you know the. Whether or not fans are aggressive against that is going to depend on the success that we have with the Libyacos, not just this season, but the following seasons. You know, I'm not, um, we're not, we're not out of this by any means. Of course, we're only three points back from first place in the league. It's not, the situation isn't bad. We got a long season to go. Plus we have playoffs. You know, this season has not yet gone to shit as it were. It can still do that, but we still have a, we still have, I don't want to say, we still have an opportunity to get something here. It's not lost. So um, it can, it can very easily get that way, but there still is that hope that there's something that the, you know, the, the train can be righted. And a lot of that, that feeling will manifest after this game against Bochka, because regardless of the fact that we're saying, look, it's just one game. You have to give this guy time to assimilate and, and, and start to build the team in his image. Whatever happens against Bochka is going to set the tone for the rest of, of his time here, especially this season. Absolutely he loses, correct, he loses regardless of whether it's correct or not. It'll be negative from, from here on out. And then we could Absolutely. end up seeing another coaching change, you know, if things continue to go sour, bef- you know, before the second half of the season. I would like to uh, address this comment from James Howlett. Uh, James, thank you so much for joining us. An owner who has not only Biakos' first priority, he's doomed to fail. If he continues in that path, I don't believe his future is bright. Fans will force him to leave one way or the other. Well, first of all, thank you for the comment, James. Um the thing is that Marinakis has not lost interest in the, at Olympiacos. He wants to succeed at Olympiacos. He wants to see Olympiacos. I mean, I've met the guy and he wants Olympiacos to be established as a European club. And in a way, he has already succeeded. He wants Nottingham Forest as well to succeed. He cares a lot about Nottingham Forest. Like we said, we just feel like it, it has all become a little too much for just when it comes to the duties, he needs to allocate them a little bit more but he really really cares for both teams that is that that cannot be questioned and as for the last part of your comment fans will force him to leave one way or the other well i was there when Panathinaikos forced the Vardinoyanis family out of Panathinaikos and then they went on a downward spiral that saw them being kicked out of europe 
and even uh, and even flirting with finishing in the lower half of the league. So you don't want Marinakis to leave. If Marinakis leaves, I said it in the last podcast, I'm going to say it again, things are going to get even worse. You're going to say, oh, how can this be even worse? We don't even challenge for the league. We can't even make it to a conference. Well, I'm talking about relegation. How's that for worse right there? Yeah, I'm talking about relegation. If we don't have ownership, if we don't have VKC, if we don't have a hierarchy. So let's calm down. You know, Marinakis is not to blame about this mess. There's a lot of things that uh, that have gone wrong in the last few years. There and there and you know what, guys, there are steps taken to to fix those mistakes. I mean, the Pedro Alves is very is a very good technical director. He did a great job at Estoril. The fact that we brought in someone good enough amid problems with the sporting director. Well, he's now the sporting director, Pedro Alves, not the technical director, but. Like I said, guys, the, it's not illogical. This appointment is not illogical. And the fact that we brought in such a good sporting director speaks volumes. And yes, there will be more fixes. There will be more corrections, more amendments. But, you know, let's have a bit of patience, you guys. Like, let's not, let's not go overboard. And definitely, let's, let's remember some history here. Like, Panathinaikos' move of getting rid of the Yanis family was dumb. It was stupid. Stupid. It really harmed their, their prestige in Greece alone. In, in England, they only know Olympiacos. They don't know Panathinaikos. Nobody talks to me about Panathinaikos and their great European nights. Because now Olympiacos are the ones who do the European nights. So, calma. The, um, we, we got, we, it looks like we got some questions on social media also. Somebody has a question about whether or not Podence and El Kabi should start the next game for Europa League. And I think the answer there is yeah. <laughs> if Podence is healthy, he's starting. Like he's yeah. he's one of the he's you know, when he was before he started to get injured, uh he was one of the best producers alongside Cosas Fortunis on the team, him and Masura. So like you um you have to do that and and it's yeah, I mean, so there's great comments here also, just like all around. Aris Galamatis, the basket team went down, returned with a good rebuild, and we question whether we can win against Bashka Topol as a success. Um, Aris they went down it, on their own terms. They didn't. Get right, I was about to say they they did go down on their own turn. They pulled out of the league. <laughs> hardly, a, hardly a comeback story. Yeah, it is a bit worrying that every time the rivals build somewhat decent or actually good teams we go into crisis marinakis was fortunate that both bao and ike were in ruins during his early years um yeah but i think it during that time though i mean the success wasn't just like we we weren't then at least meeting the competition on their terms or their level we were so far beyond and now it's they have improved and we've regressed, and now it's a little bit more even. I I still believe that we would be in first place if we had a team that had the same quality as 2019-2020. I don't think any of these teams, Bonathanaikos or Ike, are touching that. The problem just is they have gotten better. We've gotten worse. And now we're at this middle point. There's balance. It's hysterical. There's balance when we're at the worst we've seen ourselves in the last six seven years so five whatever whatever you want to say but unfortunately it uh it is what it is and uh we're, we are coming on an hour here guys so if um if you haven't done so already don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button you can visit us on patreon as well a lot of fun stuff happening we're always continuing to evolve our content so the more support we get the more we continue to make those jumps in in what we do uh like i said where our socials are starting to especially instagram it's starting to explode so please help us continue to expand the community find more red and white fans and we'll continue to try and offer you guys the best content and and the best that we can offer you um so help us continue to do that we we love to do this we we love to to do everything regarding Libyakos. We love to support each other, but we also love the community that's been built here. So help us continue to do it, and we promise you that we'll continue to do our best to offer you the most innovative things that we can and continue to light up the Greek world of sports. Gosta, going on an hour here. Got anything else you want to touch on before we start getting ready to wrap up? 
just one final thing. I feel like if uh, Olympiacos had amicably uh, cut ties with Martins, with Pedro Martins in 2022, instead of giving him an extra con uh, another contract, I feel like uh, we would have been far beyond the competition still, because uh, everything, the, the whole change would have been a lot more smooth, a lot smoother. A lot of the, a lot of ridiculous mistakes like Marcelo, Brasalico, James. 100,000 number 10s, 110,000 left backs. A lot of those things would have been avoided. And I feel like we would have been way be, way beyond our competition. And I'm very sure we're going to get back to that position much sooner rather than later. And uh, I'll touch on this one last question because I do get this in, in DMs also a lot. Uh, Aris Galamatis, uh, can you have a schedule for lives, please? Aris, the import the the unfortunate thing is and because this isn't you know we do this for fun we do this we all have jobs we all have lives if this were something that could support multiple people then of course we could stick to the same schedule every week same time exactly we always try to make sure every sunday we do a show Sometimes they're earlier. I know we usually do them after a game. There was no game today. We understand that. We, but most of the most of the times we go live are around this time. You know, four o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Eastern. That twenty-two, twenty-three hundred spot in in Greece. So we do we do our best to try and and make it as regular as possible. It is difficult. Again, everybody has lives, everybody has work, especially these days. It's it's a lot more difficult than it was post-COVID to do shows as consistently as we were doing them. So uh, the one thing I can tell you is we will always have live shows on Sundays. So that is the consistent. During the week, if there's a match during the week, we try to get at least get a post-match. We try to get you guys content uh, before a match if we can as well. And then don't forget Patreon. If you're a Patreon member, you get two extra episodes a month. We always do one interview usually outside the realm of Olympiacos. And then we get some type of enhanced analysis on one match uh, that also goes up. So if, if you want to join that, if you want to see some of those extra episodes, check out our Patreon. Uh, you might like it. Open lines. Uh, Aris, you know what? We opened the lines, was it last episode or the previous episode? And, and only like one person came on. So anyway, we will... Uh, um, we usually try to do like right after match time and within an hour or so for, for shows, open lines. We open them up pretty frequently, at least twice a month. So, uh, but we'll, Adi Spahn, we'll let you know the next time we open the lines up, maybe we'll do the next one. So, but, uh, and sometimes we, we usually do some type of Christmas episode, like a boozing with the boys or something where we open the lines up to chat with people. I so. cannot wait. I cannot wait for this one. Look out for that. Don't forget also, guys, in uh, 10 days, the merch store goes live. If it can, if we can get it earlier, we will. The When the merch store first opens, there won't be as many options. But by the end of January, there will be at least 20 different offerings on there. A lot of good stuff. I mean, we're going to have... We're going to have everything. Stickers. I get so many messages about stickers. They're coming. We're going to have stickers. You'll be able to buy them in like packs of 25, 100,000. I don't know what you guys want to do with them, but we'll have them. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to have everything. You can. It'll it'll ship across the world. So it's going to be a great setup. So we're really excited about this to get that rolling. So I hope you guys are excited about it or as excited as we are. That's coming in 10 days. And I, yeah, I think that's about it. So check out socials for any other content that's coming, depending on what happens with the league. We'll keep up to date with that for you. We have another interview happen happening on, um, uh, Oh, options to support us financially anonymously outside hmm. social media of the kids have to work on that one i think i don't know of any other way to do that but anyway we'll, we'll that's something that we'll figure out uh Addis and we'll 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 figure that out for you don't worry but guys a lot of fun stuff coming costa anything else no that'll be it man we're gonna see you guys next week and uh, hopefully we're not gonna have any uh, any unwanted surprises on thursday let's hope not so uh <laughs> check out socials follow us if you don't a lot of fun stuff coming this is Gate 7 International by the fans for the fans, and we will see you all next time. Got